With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Thank you again for listening to The Great Decisions, Incredible Lives, Retire with Intention podcast with host John Creekmer. Follow us on social media, visit our website, and join our community of like-minded individuals redefining retirement and living incredible lives. Please leave us a review and share our podcast with others who may benefit. We wish you a future filled with purpose, fulfillment, and the joy of living your incredible life in retirement. Well, everybody, hello, John Creekmer here, and welcome to today's edition of Great Decisions, Incredible Lives. And it's truly about living a life with intention. It's, uh, we know we all go through different things every single day, and sometimes they're mountaintop experiences, other times, you know, maybe we're in that valley, or we're just going through that desert of life, but it's in the midst of those things, the walkthrough of intentionality, and uh, trying to find joy and happiness and impact every single day. And uh, as you guys know, we love to introduce you to different people that are experts from all around the country in so many different areas. Uh, we do have some interesting people coming down the line uh, that I know you guys are going to really enjoy. And today, I know you're really going to enjoy a conversation uh, with my new friend, Ryan King, from Toledo, Ohio. And, uh, you know, Toledo is uh, in one of those great Midwestern states of Ohio. It's uh, there in the northwest corner, a phenomenal area. So many dear clients and dear friends from that area. Uh, Ryan is an estate planning uh, elder law attorney and uh, phenomenal experience, phenomenal background. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the show. Can you take a second to introduce yourself to everybody and your background and uh, education and areas of interest? Yes, my name is Ryan King. I'm a lifelong resident of Toledo, Ohio. I uh, graduated um, from summa cum laude from the University of Notre Dame in 2002 and I graduated from Ave Maria Law School back when it was still in Ann Arbor in 2005, and I passed the bar a few months later in Ohio. I'm licensed in Ohio. I got into estate planning law in um, 2008, and I've been um, practicing estate planning law pretty much ever since then. Very good. I also see on your bio, Ryan, that you also had a stint with the Social Security Administration? Briefly, yes. Yeah. So a lot of background all revolves around elder law and then also uh, potentially some disability uh, information in there that uh, definitely affects how people navigate uh, just retirement things. And so all that plays together. And um, and so phenomenal background, Ryan. And uh, we're going to delve into a lot of things as it relates to elder law. Can you walk through, Ryan, everybody, a definition of what does elder law mean and what's the definition of someone who maybe age should be considering going through uh, some level of planning? Well, elder law is essentially law that applies to people who are um, retired or approaching retirement or considering retirement. Essentially, it involves um, preparing estate planning for them and helping them navigate the process of um, estate planning, of uh, applying for benefits such as Medicaid and whether, especially whether they need in-home care or they need to um, go into a facility. And essentially, estate planning, although we generally call it elder law and we uh, generally uh, think of it as something you need to do when you're older, 
Estate planning is something you need to do anytime because anything can happen to you. I recently read an account of somebody who was in college and had a stroke. There was even a case of some, and who needed an estate plan. I even heard about a, a case of somebody who um, had an, a stroke in utero before they, they were born. But estate plan is something you need to have in place, certainly once you um, reach the age of majority, once you've become an adult, even if you might necessarily be thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of walk through, Ryan, if you will, uh, sort of about estate planning? Uh, can you walk through what are the different components that people should be thinking about as far as estate planning? Well, here's the thing you need to know. If you don't have an estate plan, the state will put an estate plan in place for you If uh, when the time comes, whether you are um, deceased or whether you are permanently incapacitated. And you may or may not And I would probably say, especially in the case of incapacity, for most of us, it would be not want the state to uh, handle your affairs. Because what happens is the components of an estate plan are the best kind of estate plan you can have is a trust where you put everything you have, a trust where it's basically like a business, except it's in the business of um, managing your, your own affairs instead of, say, produce selling goods or performing services. And you can name who the beneficiaries of your trust are when you die. And um, you can also name who the successor trustees are should you die or become incapacitated. But even if you choose not to go the trust route, would at least need something various documents in place to um, handle your affairs. A will is uh, basically a fancy letter to the probate court, which tells um, the court who is to be your executor, who's to be in charge of your estate, and who gets what when you die. If you do not have a will in place, the state has a will for you. And maybe for a lot of people, that's not so bad because the state basically says, if you die, your spouse gets everything. If your spouse is gone, your kids get everything or your descendants get everything. If um, you don't have any kids, uh, it'll go to your parents, then your siblings, then to your grandparents, then to your aunts and uncles, and then cousins. Absolutely nobody in place for you. Everything goes to the state. And a lot of people, um, actually, when they prepare a will, that's basically what they want to happen with their goods anyway. But the really tricky part is what happens if you're not dead? What happens if you're incapacitated? Now, as an estate plan covers things like powers of attorney, there's the comprehensive durable power of attorney. And then there's the, um, which determines who gets to handle your financial affairs. And then there's the healthcare power of attorney, the living will, and the HIPAA waiver, which determines who gets to handle you, that is, your medical affairs. The thing is, if you don't have any of these documents in place and you become incapacitated, the court has to, um, your next of kin will have to go to court and get guardianship over you. And this is rather expensive and time-consuming, and they have to get the court's permission for to do anything to, Any kind of expenditure that they have to make on your behalf, they have to get the court's permission to do so. They have to give, provide a written accounting every year, and they have to save receipts for every expenditure, everything that comes into your accounts, everything that comes 
goes out of your accounts, they have to save these receipts. And that can become problematic given the fact that a lot of receipts now in this day of identity fraud are um, printed on with disappearing ink, which can really be a hassle when you have to gather those receipts and to take them to the court. Yeah. And then finally, what you also need, and this is something relatively new, it's only in the past 10 years or so, is the uh, advanced directive for funeral arrangements. Here's the thing. You can pre-plan your funeral. You can um, have prepaid, pre-planned, have everything in place. But what's happened is there are second marriages, there are blended families, and what's happened is that in the past, there was a case, there's been cases of, say, you've got a man, call him um, call him Alex, and Alex, he gets married to um, Betty, and they have some kids, but the marriage doesn't work out, and they end up getting a messy divorce, and so uh, Betty gets custody, and she basically bars Alex from having access to the kids, and she basically tells the kids Alex doesn't want to see them because um, he's a monster who hates them. And then Alex remarries. This time his spouse is um, Veronica, and they actually have uh, kids as well, and they live a long, happy life together and until um, Veronica dies. So Alex then dies, except, and what used to happen was that if you die unmarried, your uh, next of kin is um, your oldest child, if you have any. Except Alex's oldest child is his oldest child, is Junior, his oldest child, by um, Betty. And the one who thinks, who's been estranged from him for most of their lives and who thinks that Alex is, who's been poisoned against Alex by Betty. So what happens, and this has happened enough, is that Junior and Alex's other kids by Betty will say, this is what we want to have. They'll scrap whatever Alex's funeral arrangements are, which they had the legal, at the time they had the legal right to do. They'd scrap the funeral arrangements. They basically say, I'm going to have, um, we're going to have dear old dad cremated and um, we're going to lead all our siblings by both of Alex's wives. We're going to restroom or back behind the dumpster we're going to basically t- and we say this is what we think of dear old dad and d- his ashes gets flushed down the toilet or tossed in the dumpster while alex's kids by betty cheer and alex's kids by veronica are traumatized now this has happened enough so that the law has instituted some reforms in the past 10 or 12 years or so what happens now is that um, if you die and you have kids, if you have multiple kids, then one of three things has to happen. Either all the kids have to sign off on your burial arrangements, you have to have an act, or somebody has to go into court to get um, court approval to take charge of your burial arrangements. Or three, you have to have an advanced directive. And the advanced directive, this is the um, document that I prepare for my clients as part of their estate plan. Mm -hmm. So it really comes down to what is it, let's say you're living or incapacitated either way, is what are your plans and your wishes that needs to be documented? And so the first step is to have the will. Um, And so that's the first step everyone needs to have as far as the will. 
Um, and then from there, uh, we also have, while we're living, uh, the powers of attorney, financial, power of attorney, healthcare, and uh, those really give great direction and authority to another individual to act in your behalf uh, for your best interest, either on the financial side or um, as far as on your healthcare decisions. And then the last one that you just mentioned was the advanced director for funeral. And it really seems like that is a, an incredible step that as we've seen some really some situations happen where you have the ability to actually give strong direction uh, to whoever has that authority um, to carry out wishes whenever you pass away as it relates to your, your final resting. And so um, those are the steps to have in place. Now, you'd mentioned this will and you'd used the word probate. Can you walk through what the probate process is? And even if you have a will, your assets will still go through probate. We'll talk about the next step, which is a trust here in a moment. Uh, but can you kind of walk through uh, that will and how does that relate to the probate process? Well, basically a will is a fancy letter to the court that says, um, who do you want to get your assets, who your heirs are, and who want, you want to be in charge of your estate. And the probate process can um, vary depending on the size of your estate, at least in the state of Ohio. In some cases, you can actually, if you've got, if your estate is less than $5,000 and the person who's in your heir would get everything and they've paid off all your funeral bills, they can actually uh, get what's called a summary release. But if your estate is either less than $35,000 if you are unmarried or $100,000 if you're married, you can get something called a um, relief from administration, which is kind of a mini probate. It only takes you, um, it's an abbreviated form of the probate process that takes about a couple months or so. And there's less paperwork to file, but it's a bit easier to go through the court process and it's less expensive. Now, if you um, have an estate that's larger than that, then you have to go to a, a full probate, which takes about six months. It's quite a bit more expensive. In Lucas County, it's $350. It's a bit less in court fees. It's a bit less in um, other counties, but Depending on the process, if you can get everybody who uh, stands to inherit to sign waivers, you can get the process done without having to go to court. If uh, you're unable to get these people to sign waivers, then we'll, you'll have to go to a hearing. And even worse, if you have actually lost touch with somebody and you have no idea where that person is, or even if that person's alive, you'll have to... Um, carry out service by publication where you have to uh, take an ad, run an ad over the course of a few weeks in the uh, local legal newspaper, which is an additional expense in and of itself. Hmm. And the will does not prevent you from getting going to probate because any assets that are in your individual name and don't have a beneficiary designation, like a transfer on death deed or a, uh, a transfer on death affidavit for real property or a transfer on death designation for a bank account or a transfer on death uh, or a life insurance policy with a benefit or IRA or 401k with a beneficiary designation. If something is in your own name and doesn't have within the terms of its its property, any kind of beneficiary designation, it has to go through probate, will or no will. And you're, the will basically gives you control over who handles your property, whether they have to furnish a bond and who, uh, is entitled to receive your property. But either way, will or no will, you do have to go through probate. So the probate, that's a very public process to go through. 
Uh, and so mm -hmm. a lot of folks want to avoid, the, you know, more so than the cost for a lot of folks, is they want to avoid the public nature. And so you mentioned potentially using a beneficiary designation, where I see a lot of folks, they use a beneficiary designation or a transfer on death designation um, to help with a lot of their assets not going through probate if they've not utilized a trust. So um, Ryan, what are your thoughts as far as on utilizing a beneficiary designation or a transfer on death? There are um, pros and cons to this. The, the pros are essentially that you can avoid probate with a beneficiary designation. Assuming that your beneficiary doesn't um, pass before you do or at the same time. The cons are that there was an instance of a family. This is a story that circulates the estate planning law community. It was about, I don't know, 20, 15, 20, 25 years ago. The mother... She uh, divided her assets into three equal CDs, and those CDs were, each CD was had a beneficiary designation for each of her three children. What happened, however, the intention was for each of her three children to get a third of her property when she died. What happened, however, was that one of her children passed before she did or around the same time she did. And so that beneficiary designation was null and void and had to go through probate. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is, even if you have a multiple beneficiary designation, that child who passed before she did had descendants. And the mother, presumably, if her, her um, one of her kids would have died before her, she would have wanted her child's share to go to that child's descendants. But instead... Her child's share in this case went to, it was split up four ways between a third went to each, went to her two surviving children, and a sixth went to the descend the children of the daughter who uh, passed. And basically, the surviving siblings and their nephews or nieces, they will never speak again. That family has been destroyed because nephew and niece feel that they got shafted. Mm -hmm. They only got a sixth when they only got a sixth of what their mother should have got. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways that folks use, as far as the tool that they use, to kind of aid in that and try to try to smooth out some of those, um, you know, post-mortem family um, devastations like you just explained there, Ryan, was to actually establish a trust and yes. then fund the trust. And so if you establish the trust and you never go through the process of funding it or actually having assets titled in the ownership of the trust, then obviously we don't have any benefit in doing so. So they establish a trust. Can you walk through everybody? And some folks ask this all the time. I have a certain dollar amount. Should I have a trust? And so is there a certain dollar amount where it makes sense to start considering a trust? And then also, what's how is a trust set up? And legally, what is it? And then from there, the last question on this, this line of questioning is what is the real benefit of having a trust? Well, essentially, there can be a dollar amount. A dollar amount when you actually want to start considering a trust is, um, say, $4,500. Although that money isn't the only consideration you want to have when you're, uh, when you're setting up a trust. The reason I say $4,500 is because that's where things start to break even. Um, probate. Assets. When you take assets through probate, your attorney gets to charge a fee. That's um, and it starts out at four and a half percent, and it actually goes lower the more assets you have. But four and a half percent of the first hundred thousand dollars. 
So that's why I had given the $4,500 figure. If you have a trust, however, your assets, the figure you should actually think about is $100,000 because that's the breaking even point where the year where your attorney would other, might otherwise get $4,500 if the, your assets were taken through probate. If you have a trust, however, the the um, the cost for an attorney to uh, take your assets, to handle your assets after you pass is only 1.5% of the estate across the board. So if you have a $100,000 estate and it goes through probate, your attorney gets to charge $4,500 in legal fees. If you have a $100,000 estate and it's in a trust, your attorney gets to charge $1,500 in legal fees. But that's not necessarily the only issue. If, for example, you want to uh, disinherit a child for whatever reason, one of the things about wills is that they can be contested. And one of the things people will allege is who want to contest a will can be alleged is that a, you didn't have testamentary capacity, you were incompetent. B, undoing the uh, other, you were coerced to fill out this will because essentially the your, the person who, if you disinherited a child, the remaining child, they'll say the remaining child basically held, figuratively speaking, held a gun to your head and said, you either sign this will or I'll put you out on the street, I won't take care of you. Or the remaining child exercised undue influence, essentially um, barring everybody else from seeing you and um, getting you to believe that they're the only one who cares about you. So in the event that you want to disinherit a child, a trust is certainly something that is preferable to a will because it's harder to contest. The other, Another issue is if you have a second marriage and you've got children from your first marriage. One of the things that the um, Ohio allows someone to do surviving spouse to do is to take against a will, essentially to say, I want this will to be set aside and I want my uh, my what my share would be under the intestacy law. Now, in the event that there were children from a previous marriage, a second spouse doesn't get to have everything the way a first spouse would, but they can still um, take enough that it might actually deplete your estate and um, deprive your children of their fair share. So we, in that case, you would want a prenup, but you would also want a trust. Hmm. Another issue is if you have children who have special needs and you want to make sure, or you have minor children because you want to make sure that any inheritance they receive would not necessarily be managed, be subject to a probate court. And if they are receiving government benefits, like Social Security, Disability, or Medicaid, you wouldn't want them, and they were our means-tested benefits, you'd want to arrange for them to receive their um, assets in a way that would not kick them off of welfare. Those are the um, areas where you would want to, uh, ha in cases in which you'd want to have a trust. Another issue is, of course, as far as what, how you would set up a trust, you would essentially call, contact me or another estate planning attorney, and we would prepare a trust for you. And the trust would actually include a pour-over will that would say any assets that were not put in this in the trust go to the trust upon your death. It would um, include a power of attorney, a financial power of attorney, just to uh, as a catch-all for any assets that were not put in the trust. And it would include the healthcare powers as well as the um, 
advanced directive for funerals because whether or not you have a trust, you still need to have those documents in place. And how you would handle the, um, you would sign off all these documents. And if you own real property, you would sign a deed transferring that real property, which of course would include your house, your primary residence into the trust. And once you've done so, once you've executed these documents, it would be up to you to be able to transfer your remaining property into the trust. Mm -hmm. The only thing your attorney can actually help you with directly in that case is the pre preparation of the deeds for your real property. But, and of course, preparing a document that says, I sign all my tangible personal property, that is various knickknacks, antiques, any chattels that you own, anything that um, doesn't have an account number, isn't nailed down, that would be transferred into your trust, but it would be up to you to go down to the title agency, the BMV, and transfer your car into your trust. It would be up to you to go to your bank, your life insurance company, your stock com your investment companies, your um, IRA. Well, you can't transfer an IRA or a 401k into a trust, but it would be up to you to list the trust as a beneficiary designation. It would be up to you to transfer your life insurance into a trust. Uh, to list it as the owner and beneficiary, it would be up to you to transfer your bank accounts, your um, stocks and bonds, your cars, any of those assets into the trust. And you would also want to have your trust as an addition listed as an additional named insured for your homeowner's insurance and auto insurance. And the reason you wanted to have that done is because if you were caught in the middle of a fire or a tree dropped, uh, fell on your house and you were in it, or obviously you're in the middle of a car accident and um, you want your trustee to be able to step into your shoes and deal with the insurance company without having to go through probate court if you're dead or probate court if you're still alive. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, Ryan, so many different ways of walking through that. I know that we, uh, We've worked with so many estate planning attorneys over the years, all different states, with the attorney drafting the document, doing a phenomenal job uh, as far as in preparation of the will, having the great pour-over provisions, uh, working well and collecting a lot of the good rights inside the power of attorney, trust set up. But you're right, because the client oftentimes, once we have the deed prepared, as far as for real assets, uh, the client then has the responsibility to go in and get everything changed on all their other financial um, assets that they have. A lot of times they kind of um, don't complete it um, and then they're not as protected as when, and their wishes don't get carried out the way they wanted. And so I really think incorporating through uh, whoever your uh, wealth advisor may be to work alongside of you um, and helping to do that so you don't miss anything is a critical point in that entire process. Um, keep in mind, everyone has their role. They all have their lane to stay in. Uh, make sure you have a high quality attorney like Ryan here uh, to help work you through um, the proper documentation of the wisdom uh, one of the things that Ryan talked about. Um, Ryan, man, we covered a lot of information. It's hard to believe we're already on 30 minutes. Uh, I got to shut things down pretty quick, but I want to tell you thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, thank you for bringing together such wisdom as far as that uh, what's needed in the estate planning. It is critical, folks, to make sure you get that estate planning put in place. If you're in the Toledo area, uh, and trying to find an attorney to work with on the estate planning side, uh, definitely reach out to Ryan. Uh, all of his information is in the show notes. Uh, you'll be able to find him right there and uh, reach out and set up a time to get together with him. Hey, Ryan, thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, very good, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week right here on Great Decisions Incredible Lives. Talk to you all later. Bye-bye. 
Thank you again for listening to The Great Decisions, Incredible Lives, Retire with Intention podcast with host John Creekmer. Follow us on social media, visit our website, and join our community of like-minded individuals redefining retirement and living incredible lives. Please leave us a review and share our podcast with others who may benefit. We wish you a future filled with purpose, fulfillment, and the joy of living your incredible life in retirement.